What is up, my dudes? It is Alec Lindstrom, former Boston College offense alignment. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Eagles and go ACC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week three is upon us. How are you doing, sir? Are you ready to preview some games? After this weekend, we're a quarter of the way through the regular season. Oh, don't you put All that right. on me. Really? I just want to emphasize the importance of each week of this sport. The urgency. That's right. The urgency. That's all I want to do. You need to put off your commitments. You need to ignore your family. You got to watch games because we're we're already almost at the quarter post, and these things are going to be gone before you know it. So watch them now. That's right. We have a slate of thirteen ACC involved games this weekend, Mike. One conference game and twelve out of conference games that we're going to preview here tonight. But before we do, we have a little housekeeping to take care of. Scott. <laughs> Fire up chips, baby. We are once again partnering with Home Field Apparel. Big deal, Joey. Big deal. Big deal. We announced this on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. We announced it on there last night. So I just want to get that out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do the ad read right off the top here. Home Field Apparel. We partnered with them before. You know them. You love them. Unless you've been living under a rock. If you have been living under a rock, Homefield Apparel, officially licensed collegiate apparel, super comfortable. All three of us can attest to it. Mm-hmm. Scott's wearing a Virginia Tech Homefield shirt. I'm wearing a Notre Dame bookstore basketball t-shirt, vintage design, extremely comfortable. Can't say enough about their product. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. 15% off your first order. Go do that right now. We cannot speak more highly of home field apparel that's why we're partnering with them again that's right yeah and if you remember we we partnered with them a couple of years ago and it was you know it was a little bit slim from an acc team's standpoint but at this point if i'm not mistaken it's every acc team has a collection on home field so yeah um, if you're listening to this you're a fan of an acc program go check out home field apparel and get some really comfortable vintage apparel um, that they use with some vintage logos um, very very cool stuff so go check them out and once again Promo code GOACC for 15% off your first order. Over 150 schools now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they've grown immensely since the last time we partnered with them. And even if you're not if, if, if you're not a fan of an ACC, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but even if you're not a fan of an ACC school, right? You got another school you're interested in. I'm, of course, a Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame's a quasi-ACC school, but mm-hmm. I got the Notre Dame apparel right here, right? Mm-hmm. And even if you They're just like voting the logo, member, I mean... I, they are. I mean, they're basically an ACC school. We can talk about that another time. <laughs> but yeah, go ACC at checkout. 50% off your first order. Homefieldapparel.com. Mike, let's get into it. Uh, as I mentioned, 13 games this weekend. We're just going to go chronologically. I think that's the easiest way to do this. There, there's only maybe a couple of these that really stand out and kind of warrant what feels like quite a bit of discussion. So we'll hit on those as we go. Uh, we start on Thursday night, Mike, 7.30 p.m. on the ACC Network. The Miami Hurricanes at home hosting Bethune-Cookman. Uh, this is an FCS matchup. We do not have a line as we uh, as we preview this. I think the big thing here just to watch out for with Miami is any sort of potential letdown effect. 
Um, short week coming off a big win over Texas A&M. Um, I, I, this is a, a game that historically, no matter what Miami is in any given year, they are usually up to uh, beat the brakes off of Bethune-Cookman. So I would not be worried about my Miami surviving this game. Uh I know we don't have a line. I might need to do a line to be interested in watching this game. Just kidding, kids. Don't do drugs. Of course. Trying do to drugs. Uh, identify with the Miami fan base, I guess. Oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> Hi, Cam. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say here other than this is the game of the week, right? Uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be in its own little spotlight there on Thursday night. That's for sure. That is that is for sure. Uh, the fact that this game is on ACC Network is something. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised the CW didn't want to get involved in Thursday night college football inventory right after One Tree Hill. You know, I'm surprised the CW wanted to get involved with college football at all. Um, uh, that's I, fair. <laughs> it was around, uh, I guess, it was the preview last week that I, I, I guess, I had noticed maybe earlier in the off season when that deal was was struck up. But you know, mm-hmm. we started previewing. It was the Pitt Cincinnati game. I was like, the CW, like, do I even get that? And producer Scott let me know that I do get that on YouTube TV. So yes, yeah, so. That's something. I mean, to be fair, the same sickos who watch live golf are probably the same ones who watch ACC football. So <laughs> that's probably true. Probably true. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Friday, we have Friday action in, in addition to Thursday action. Seven o'clock on Fox Sports One. The Virginia Cavaliers, Mike, on the road, not a long road trip. They are in College Park taking on a conference opponent, the Maryland Terrapins. <laughs> Uh, Maryland in this game, a 14 and a half point favorite total is 48. I will call out that that is, uh, that is probably an important hook. I would, Mm -hmm. I would say with that line, number one and number two, when you got a total, that's 48, the spread is 14 and a half. That is not, not really a great sign for Virginia. Um, we got some news today, Mike, that was a little bit of a head scratcher, I think for the both of us. Uh, it sounds like the Virginia offensive coordinator announces that Tony Musket will be the starting quarterback this week against Maryland. We talked about it on the recap. I I don't understand that choice at all. Anthony Calandria looked awesome last weekend in the chances that he got. I, I, I don't know what you saw from Musket in almost four full quarters against Tennessee that makes you want to go back to him as opposed to just sticking with Calandria another week. Yeah, my tweet was, well, that is certainly a choice. I mean, Virginia's going to suck this year. Just play the freshman who looks promising. Like, I don't I don't really get it. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? I don't understand. Uh, I mean, or play him for a quarter and a half, and when, you know, you have a couple three and outs and a turnover, then put Musket in. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, no, there, there's, no, there's no harm in that. There's no risk. Just do it. Yeah, and by then Maryland will be well on their way to covering, right? Because they started <laughs> Tony Musket instead of Calandria. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I mean Maryland is uh, Maryland's looked pretty good through two games. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa is still there playing quarterback to his younger brother. He's a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Maryland's got a decent offense. Uh, they're going to be a pretty competitive Big Ten team this year. I don't think they're going to be like a fantastic team. They'll be a, a good competitive team. Loxley's recruited well to College Park, and he definitely has that program on more of an upswing, definitely more than we can say about UVA in year two under Tony Elliott. I don't understand the Tony Musket decision at all. I would play Calandria. I would not be surprised, by the way, if we do see Calandria in this game. I think it would make a lot of sense to play him. Right, especially if Musket struggles, the hat the the hook is 
spooking me a little bit, Joey. It's mm-hmm. spooking me a little bit. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think Maryland's the much better team here. I think Maryland should win in cover. But that hook has me wondering if I might just hold my nose and pick UVA here to cover 14 and a half. It just seems like a little bit of a weird line. So I'm going to go with UVA to cover. I think Maryland wins this kind of with ease. I could see like a backdoor cover situation for UVA. But I think that hook is going to end up being pretty meaningful. So uh, give me UVA to cover, even though UVA has looked pretty bad so far this year. Yeah, I think I'm just going to I think I'm just going to hold my nose and take Maryland here. Mm. Um, I, I say hold my nose like I'm going to just, you know, grit and bear the uh, the hook here on this line. I am worried after the emotional experience of last week that then Virginia turns around on a bit of a short week, goes on the road, and it, it's looking a little bit dire shortly into the third quarter, you know, something like that. Like, yeah. And, and I don't know how good Maryland is, but I, I, I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not trying to bet Virginia as many times as I can this year. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I am trying to be very cautious in the spots that I pick them. I don't know that this is a particularly good spot for them. I don't think this is a good matchup. Again, if a team – Maryland isn't Tennessee, but I think they're, you know, a Tennessee adjacent or, you know, you know, kind of a light version of Tennessee in terms of wanting to throw the ball down the field, you know, having a little bit of a vertical attack. And I don't think that plays well into what Virginia has defensively. Um, I'm going to go with Maryland here. I'm going to, I'm going to take the over as well. Well, I guess if we have to pick a total, if we don't, I'm just not, I'm going to leave it alone. Um, I, I think that could kind of go either direction and it's going to really rely on how many points Virginia is able to score, honestly, because I think, I think Maryland's going to get theirs. Uh, they've scored 38 points in both of their first two games. Like they'll be fine to score in this game. Um, it's just a matter of how much Virginia can put on the board. And uh, especially if Tony Musket is uh, leading the Musketeer offense there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess give me Maryland in the over, but uh, if I don't have to pick a total, then I won't. Thank you for reminding me of that bit. Hey, Scott, do you have a song you can play me real quick? <laughs> Just enough so we don't get kicked off YouTube. Yeah, right. Yeah, we don't uh, want to get demonetized. Right. Uh, before we get monetized. Yeah. yeah. The, we, we, can only, we can only refer to the Tony Musket-led offense as the Mouseketeers for so long. <laughs> the Mouseketeers. So, just wanted to... Make sure we get that in there before <laughs> Anthony Calandria inevitably takes over the starting quarterback job. And Joey, I'm really glad you brought that up because I mentioned that as a bit I wanted to do over text message like two weeks ago and then totally forgot about it. So thank you very much for that. The internet never forgets, but I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have I have no thoughts on the total, by the way. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, SP Plus says Maryland is like the better part of 21 points better than Virginia mm-hmm. here. And that's, that's on a neutral field. So Gross. Sounds like a nice backdoor cover situation doesn't uh, you know i don't know what they get into in charlottesville but that's fine um anything else in this game mike god bless I'm yeah good. i think good luck good. virginia yeah not, good not a good not a good spot not a good not, matchup not trying to be a jackass but i could foresee like one in 11 mm-hmm. couldn't you yeah. that's absolutely on the table yeah i think so uh let's move on to saturday we got a, a trio of games at noon. We'll start on ABC at noon. The number three Florida State Seminoles on the road in Chestnut Hill taking on the Boston College Eagles. 
Total is 47 and a half. Mike, this is the red bandana game for Boston College. Who cares? Uh, well, first of all, the red bandana game for the uninitiated. Oh, well, I thought the action. Sorry. Sorry. I meant in terms of like how it's going to impact the actual football game, not what it's about. Boy, you sorry. feel like a jerk now. I um, do not. I do not because that is not what I meant. <laughs> Continue. Uh, for the for the uninitiated, for those unaware, the Red Bandana Game is a a, a celebration, a, a memorial for Wells Crowther, uh, who was a Boston College alumnus and an athlete uh, for the Eagles, uh, who was killed in the September 11th attacks uh, in 2001. Uh, but the story came out of, of him saving the lives of dozens of people in that tower before uh, ultimately losing his. Uh, as the man in the red bandana was was described by numerous folks, you know, as the guy who helped save him, it was Wells Crowther, his signature red bandana uh, that helped him identify the body and identify who was saving folks. Um, and so, in in his honor and his memory and and, and his celebration, uh, Boston College every year plays the red bandana game uh, in his memory and his honor. And oftentimes, you know, the the uniform usually has the last couple of years has had like a red bandana kind of pattern to it with the numbers and. I think with the helmet logo and such, very, very cool. Um, this is a game where typically Boston College is as fired up as fired up gets. Uh, last year, they played this game against Clemson. This year, it's against Florida State. It's on ABC. Like, this is as big a deal as a Boston College game is going to be all year long. And, Mike, now is where you say your part. Who cares? <laughs> what was the final score of the Red Bandana game last year, Joey, against Clemson? Just to remind uh, me. It would be 31-3. to and I, I would, you know, I would beg, I would beg you to guess which of the teams had 31. Yes, definitely not Boston College. First of all, I would like to I would like to issue an apology to Boston College fans for jumping the gun on my who cares joke, because obviously the who cares was directed at this game, having more hype to it and it actually impacting the outcome. So just want to get that out there before I get sued or something. Uh <laughs> I would like to give out an award. Can I give out an award? No, God! No, God, please, no! No! This no! is such a bad idea. No! I would like to... Uh, th I've had worse ideas. This is the Queen Elizabeth II Memorial uh, You Died Award Game oh, of the God. Week. Oh, no. Florida State is a 26-point favorite. And I could not be more confident and locking up the Seminoles. Florida State, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. 52 to 6. I have no other thoughts on this game. Boston College is going to get absolutely obliterated. Obliterated. I'll watch for the red bandana. I'll stay for the red wedding, which is, I know, the joke you want to make. <laughs> I didn't want to make it on the air. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh... We mentioned last week, Florida State, it was a name your score game, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You know, Florida State, what do you want the final score to be? That's what it's going to be. I, I think it's the same thing here, Mike. I, I think Florida State's going to be able to get whatever they want. Um, I, I don't see any way that Boston College on defense is going to be able to contain this Florida State offense. Just no way, especially the, the receiver tandem of, of uh, Johnny Wilson and, and Keon Coleman, like no way. Right. Um, I, I don't think Boston College's offense is going to be able to consistently move the ball in any way, shape, or form against Florida State. Yep. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I will lay 
I will lay anything up to at least 30, maybe 31 points with Florida State here. And I'll just go ahead and I'll join you. I'll lock that up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Double barrel. And, and really on that note, I see a total of 47 and a half. I, I, I think there's a chance Florida State gets there on their own. I'll take mm-hmm. the over here for sure. Yeah, I like the over too. Don't think this... I'll lock that up, but I, I will take it. No, I'm not sure how much Boston College is going to score here, but I do think Florida State can get most of the way there by themselves. So, mm-hmm. sorry, Boston College. Um, this is, you know, this is the whole like get in the way of the train situation. I, I can't help you here. This, yeah, Florida State looks like a wagon, and uh, you look like you're in a bit of a tough spot early this year. So, yeah, this would be a nice way for Jeff Halfley to save his job, though. So, do want to get throw that out there what, just to like get ahead of covering? like the inevitable. Uh, no, by uh, somehow winning money line at plus like thirteen hundred or whatever it is, inevitably. What what's the what's the money line? Oh jeez, uh, bet on this game. I can't even imagine what it is. Let's see if I can find this out quickly. Boston College to win. Hang on, this is important. I will find this. It's pulling it up. Beautiful. I'm going to blow my nose. Scrolling. Scrolling. Yep. This is good podcasting. We're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Boston College. Uh, What do we got? It is. I have plus 1,500. 15 to 1 is what you've got. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing. About, About 15 to 1 for Boston College just to win this game on the field. And I think I said. 15 to 1 as a joke. So hmm. beautiful. Nailed it. Beautiful. They, Nailed uh, it. That's a season better right there. Uh, something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Season doesn't mean good, by the way. Just want to get that out there before anybody tails anything I pick tonight. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Double barrel locks. Florida State's covering the 26. Uh, I, I think we can feel good about that. I, I think so too. Terrible matchup for Boston College. Can't wait to play this audio back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, for what it's worth, SP Plus has Florida State favored on a neutral field by 32 points. Love that. Yeah, so this is actually probably a little bit short, but that's fine. All right, beautiful. Alt spread. At noon on uh, noted ACC channel, the Big Ten Network, uh, the Louisville Cardinals, call it on the road, it's another neutral site game for Louisville. They're taking on the Indiana Hoosiers from, uh, what's the place where the Colts play called? That would be Lucas Oil Stadium. Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, Louisville's a 10-point favorite taking on Indiana from Lucas Oil Stadium. Total is 50 and a half. Uh, I feel like this is a bad matchup for Indiana, personally. This is is a terrible matchup for Indiana. Louisville should be able to roll here, I think, without... I, I think they should be able to cover this spread at least. Um, but at the very least, they have no business losing this game. Yeah, I mean, this is another situation here where there is an ACC program who's trying to get an opposing coach fired. So we mm-hmm. have the second game in a row there. Tom Allen, I think, could be in some trouble at Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if a year one Jeff Brom just beat the brakes off of Indiana on a quasi home field for for the Hoosiers this would be uh, this would be something for Tom Allen that that's all I'll say so 
you know, you call it a quasi home field. I've seen speculation that there will be more Louisville fans there than Indiana fans. Would not surprise me. Now, I also heard that about the Louisville-Georgia Tech game a couple weeks ago, and there were decidedly not that many Louisville fans there. So I don't know if they're all saving it up to go to this game or if we're just not traveling as much as everyone kind of thought we would or, you know, in in past years, like that kind of deal. Uh, But in any case, this might be a home field in name and distance only. Um, You might have a home field advantage for the Cardinals here. Yeah, and you know what? We should have waited on the home field read until right now because uh, <laughs> Connor at home field is a mm. Indiana alum, diehard Indiana fan, and that this is, is not going to work out well for his Hoosiers, I don't think. So. Yeah, yeah, or for uh, their head coach, Tom Allen. We'll see. Yeah. As you mentioned, I mean, they should be highly motivated to try to stay in this game, if not win it, but, I mean, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. I, you know, you can't ever say anything as a certainty in college football. Yeah, I think I'm probably laying him with the cards here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll lay him as well. Yeah. This might – so I'm not locking this game up just because I feel much more confident about Florida State, but this is a game that might make it onto, like, a weekly betting card with my money. Mm. So I feel good about Louisville here. I can see this game making it onto my uh, weekly teaser that Mm. is inevitably going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And it's been quite lucrative so far, Mm -hmm. I think, right? It worked out last week. Yeah, all right. Barely. Thankfully, uh, Vandy scored late to get inside a teased line. That nothing was, like uh, nothing like having to rely on the Commodores. That's, that's right. Say because they've they screwed me in week zero, and I've been off them ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, total of fifty and a half. I'll, I think I'm going to go with the under here. Yeah. I. This is this is an under situation. I think both teams are going to try to run the ball a little bit here, and. Mm-hmm. I think if you're Louisville, you want to run the ball a little bit more with Jack Plummer as your mm-hmm. quarterback. I think he needs, but he certainly needs balance in the offense, I think, to be more effective. So, yeah, that was the case at Cal. He had his best year last year at Cal, and they ran the ball decently for him, and mm-hmm. he was able to be a bit more effective. He's been a little more up and down here so far uh, through the first couple of games for Louisville, but I think he's definitely going to be more effective with the running game. I think it's a good time to do it. Yeah. I'll call this out too. Indiana had a really good game a couple weeks ago, uh, losing to Ohio State twenty-three to three. But like, you only gave up ten points in the first half, twenty-three points all day to that that level and that uh, potential of offense. I think they should have some success here, forcing a few punts and that kind of thing against Louisville to where I think it keeps the score down. But I do think Louisville can can win and and still cover because I don't know how much Indiana is going to move the ball like at all. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one to ten is a cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, easy, I could see that. Covering it under. All right. Louisville in the under for the both of us. Uh, last noon game on ESPN2, it is the Wake Forest Stephen Deeks on the road in somewhere in Virginia. Uh, taking Newport on Old News, Dominion. baby. Newport, in Newport News. News. Of, course, of course, in Newport News. That's, that makes the most sense. Uh, Wake's a 14.5 point favorite on the road. Uh, total is 61.5. I'm thinking of taking Old Dominion to cover this. Not mostly just because, like, at some point somebody's got to cover, like, as an underdog, and you know, fourteen and a half on the road. Like, but then again, I mean, what we've seen from Wake Forest this year, I, there, there's no reason to doubt them. So this is purely just like a trying to uh, trying to pick the right number on the roulette wheel, basically. Like, I I, I don't know. Um, I all my instincts tell me to just take late, Wake Forest and lay the points. So you're firing from the hip on Old Dominion, but you wouldn't fire from the hip on Bethune-Cooked Man? 
against Miami. Is that another drug reference? Maybe. That's <laughs> two in one podcast. There you go. You can't keep getting away with it. Excellent drop, Scott. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Very good. Uh, I actually agree with you. I, I think I'm taking Old Dominion. Old Dominion, wow. nice, nice win last week against Louisiana. Huh? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Nice Not bad. win. Scored 38 points. Uh, the problem is they gave up 31 points to Louisiana, and I think they can give up a hell of a lot more to Wake Forest if they're not careful. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do want to point that out, but I actually like Old Dominion to cover here. This is a very, a very odd spread for a game in which I think Old Dominion's defense is going to be uh, vastly outmanned, is what I would say. So the fact's only 13 and a half kind of gives me a little bit of pause. 14 and a half. So you get the 14 two touchdowns. And a half. I'm sorry, 14 and a half. Yeah, 14 and a half. So. Um, Wake's first road game, for what it's worth, uh, their next two weeks, or I guess, well, next week they have Georgia Tech at home and then a bye week. But they, you know, they get a conference game next week. Could be a little bit of a look ahead situation. Could be a little bit of a don't bear, you know, don't get all the way to the bottom of the playbook situation. Um, so I'll take Old Dominion to cover. I think I think Wake wins. I don't think this is like a last minute, you know, hold on to your butts situation. Uh, could be a backdoor cover situation as well. But, yeah, give me Old Dominion in the points here. Um, and, and I think they at least keep this game within a couple scores. Yeah, and Old Dominion had some some drives I think they could have converted a little bit better on against Virginia Tech, only scoring 17 points. I think they left some out there, and I think they got a bit of that back last week against ULL. So I think it'll be another situation where you're facing a defense that's okay, not great. And I think that Old Dominion will be able to score here and keep up for a while. And I guess thoughts on the total, Joey? I think I'm probably going to lean over. I, If we're not, like, forced to make picks on the total this year, I'm going to stay away from it. Okay, uh, that's fine. I don't want to pick the total here either. How about that? <laughs> I Yeah, if, if I – gun to my head, if I had to pick something, uh, I might even lean under here. I feel like, you know, if I look at, like, the games that Wake has played so far, I mean, last week got really pointsy, 36 to 20, and that's that's an under here. Uh, 37-17 against Elon, that's an under here as well. So um, I feel like that total might be a little bit high for Wake's tastes, but I, I'm I'm out on picking this one here if, uh, if I'm not required to. This is the best offense Wake's played so far. Ooh, yikes. Better than Vandy, <laughs> for sure. Better than Elon. Yeah, Vandy was a little rough on offense there. Worse than I expected. Mm-hmm. They had, they had good moments, but it was not a it was not a smooth, consistent product. That's that's to say the least. Yeah, and this is a former FCS quarterback. Old Dominion's got out there in Wilson. And by the way, uh, this is a bit better than Old Dominion's prior quarterback situation. The one to beat Virginia Tech in 2018, whose name's escaped me right now. He entered the priesthood after that game, so <laughs> it's a little bit better than that. But yeah, yeah. All right, Wake. Uh, moving on, 2 o'clock on the CW. Told you it was an ACC football channel. Uh, the NC State Wolfpack at home hosting the VMI Keydets. Uh, I did not know that mascot until just now when I pulled up their ESPN page. Uh, once again, FCS game. Don't have numbers on it, uh, but ultimately, I mean, NC State should cruise here. This is not a particularly threatening VMI team who lost last week to Bucknell 21-13 to and beat Davidson in week one 12-7. So NC State might be licking their wounds a little bit after the uh, the game against Notre Dame last week, but I don't think that they have a problem. 
you can watch a Revolutionary War documentary at noon, probably, and then just roll right into the VMI game after that. So that's pretty sick about watching games on CW. I feel like reruns of like the real world, or I don't think I don't think the real world. I think it's like One Tree Hill and uh, like Gilmore Girls. I there think you would go. Be probably more accurate. So there you go. Which what do you think does better ratings? Those or this game? Uh, probably those, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's NC State. They should have they should have an easy time here. No I, issues. I back. If they don't, I'm going to have some questions. So, whatever the line is on game day, by the way, I would I would stay away from it. I would not. Yes, this is not a game that you want to get involved with, especially the line is going to be like 37 or something like that. Like, yeah, pass. Mm-mm. All right, we'll keep it moving. 3:30. We got a couple. Uh, we got three matchups at 3:30, starting with on ESPN. Uh, the number 20 North Carolina Tar Heels at home taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Tar Heels an eight-point home favorite here. Total is 50. I I think I'm leaning over on the total at, at the very least. I think last week showed us that nine sacks and 16 tackles for a loss against South Carolina in week one might have had more of a, uh, you know, more of a South Carolina flavor to it than a North yeah. Carolina flavor, considering yep. no sacks and four tackles for a loss against App State. Um, so there's that. I This is a Kind of a bad matchup, at least for North Carolina's defense. Historically, what we've seen from them, Minnesota's going to try to be physical and run the ball, and that is just not something that has played very well for the Tar Heels. I'm yeah. tempted. To, I'm tempted to take the points here. I do think North Carolina wins the game, but I think Minnesota can make this close, if not uh, threatening. Yeah, good pick. By the way, if you're watching on video and you see me like continuing to disappear from the frame, I'm battling a cold, so I have to continuously like blow my nose. It's great. But please oh, subscribe well. on YouTube. Please, please Do subscribe. It. Please, for the love of God, subscribe. Yes. And if you're just listening and only listen, pull up your Google account and hit the subscribe button, and you don't have to watch it. We're just trying to get to 250 this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Make sure to do that. Uh, Joey, good pick. Total agreement. Here's the thing. We don't know if North Carolina's run defense is actually any good. Looked pretty good against South Carolina, like you mentioned. Looked like North Carolina could get after the quarterback a little bit against South Carolina. That all went away last week against App State. All of a sudden, it looked like Carolina defensive old. Minnesota is definitely going to try to run the ball. They do not have the rushing attack they had when Mo Ibrahim was in the backfield. Let's make that clear. However, the offense is structured the same way. They're going to want to run a lot. They run to set up the pass. They run for the sake of running. This is a run-heavy offense under P.J. Fleck. They're going to want to keep keep the ball on the ground, ball control game, especially against a Carolina offense that scores a lot of points. And Minnesota is not going to want to try to get into a shootout here against mm-hmm. Carolina. I, I don't I, think Minnesota is really even capable of winning a shootout. They're, they're not. I mean, they're not built for it. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're just not built for it. That's not how they play offense. Not going to work. I like Minnesota to cover here. I think they're feisty enough on defense. Drake May, I don't want to say Drake May has been underwhelming because I think he's been fine, but I think the North Carolina passing attack as a whole so far this year, we haven't really seen it just like totally uncorked. Mm-hmm. Like Carolina scored a ton of points last week. May had a couple hundred yards passing. He, he was just, okay, you know, okay. They ran the ball really, really well last week. That's part of it for sure. Game script, all that. But like we haven't seen a vintage Drake May throw it for like 400 yards game yet. Maybe this is it, right? But Minnesota's defense, I think, is is feisty enough. I think Minnesota's defense will keep them in the game. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're going to try to play ball control on offense. And I do think that Carolina's defense may not be as bad and 
maybe I'll have a different take on this after this game, but I don't think it's necessarily as bad as it looked against App State and probably isn't as good as it looked against South Carolina. Truth's probably somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. It probably improved a little bit, but I do think Minnesota is going to be able to run the ball with some success here, keep this game close and lower scoring, right? Total's 50. Usually I say with a North Carolina game, bet the over. I'm not sure here because I do think Minnesota is going to try to keep the ball out of Drake May's hands, and I think they might have some success there. I think North Carolina wins, Minnesota covers. You mentioned the passing game hasn't really gelled, and you're right. Like We haven't really seen Drake May fully locked in in, in gear quite yet this year. But I would point out, too, that they're, they're missing their top two receivers so yep. far. I mean, you had Nate McCollum, who came in, transferred in from Georgia Tech. Uh, he's been missing so far with a groin injury. Um, I know he missed week one. He he also, I think he might have suited up last week, but kind of saw limited action. I don't know that he really got involved in the game too much. Um, they're also missing Tez Walker, Mike. And that's mm-hmm. something that we haven't mentioned so far in this podcast that we've been meaning to and kind of neglecting. Um, for those unaware, Tez Walker has transferred a, a couple times. He, it, it's a weird situation. And maybe, Mike, you know the full rundown at this point. But the long and short of it was that he was one of a couple of players that were uh, submitting waivers to the NCAA trying to get uh, eligibility after transferring in this year, and it was denied. And the uh, the first of all, the, the college football internet has been you know kind of up in arms against the NCAA over this, like, let the guy play, number one. Number two... <laughs> The response that we got from Mac Brown towards the NCAA scathing. Well, if you just read the words, like it's really not too bad. But like, if you know much of anything about Mac Brown and you can hear it written, you know, in his voice, yeah, it's scathing. Like it is as as scathing a review as he could have possibly given. Um, kind of completely and totally garbage that Tez Walker is not able to play this year for North Carolina unless something is to change. Yeah, I mean, this is a. Uh situation where Tez Walker was trying to have the one-time transfer rule had to have it essentially waived, right? So one tr- one-time transfer rule basically means you transfer one time, you're immediately eligible. If you try to do it for a second time or a third time, you have to have a waiver and a good reason for doing so. He had some health issues in his family. He said that was the reason why he was moving closer to home and he wanted to be able to be immediately eligible so that, you know, some sick family member could see him play. That's the long and short of it. NCAA just sat on its hands basically the entire summer and didn't provide an update one way or another. And then by the time the ruling came down that Walker was going to be ineligible for the entire season, it didn't come until after the week one game against South Carolina. And the NCAA basically said they were going back and forth on it like seven or eight times before they made a decision. Neither one of those are a very good look, right? There was no reason they couldn't rule on it before the season, number one. There's no reason why he can't play, in my opinion, number two. And number three, to just come out after a fact and be like, yeah, you know, we looked at this and, you know, we couldn't really make a decision. The indecisiveness part of it makes me feel like the NCAA just like really isn't sure that they're making the right decision. So just let the kid play. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. Just let him play. Well, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, well, but he's transferred twice. Like, you know, he's not eligible. Well, okay, but the first season of college, you know, quote unquote college football for him, he enrolled at NC Central for the COVID year when their season was canceled. So he didn't even have a chance to play practice much of anything at all at uh, NC central. He transfers to Kent state. So I guess technically a transfer, but he hadn't, he hadn't had a chance to play at all um, before going there. He plays, uh, he had like one game, a couple of games, you know, in his freshman year at Kent state 
plays one season last year and now trying yep. to transfer into North Carolina, and that's when he's he's denied. So it's not like he's really just bouncing back and forth uh, the way that you know some guys, JT Daniels, or you know some of these other guys are that seem like they're just somehow eligible every year. Right. Um, so it's kind of silly that he's unable to play yet again, um, and and it sucks for him. And he would have been one of the North Carolina's top two receivers this year in, in all uh, in all likelihood. It's it's tough for Carolina because yeah he would have been a difference maker impact type player on the outside mm-hmm. so it's it's tough for Carolina on the field it's tough for Walker himself just in general yeah tough situation yep yep uh, for this weekend give me Minnesota and the points uh, I've got the over you're leaning on the under Do you I'm wanna, leaning is that a pick? yeah I, it's going to be a pick for me yeah I'm going to go under here and yep. I like Minnesota to cover it there you go sounds good. Uh, also at 3.30 on the ACC Network, the Northwestern Wildcats on the road taking on the number 21 ranked Blue Duke, Duke, Blue Duke, Duke Blue Devils. Um, sorry, I think I had just said a – never mind. Uh, Duke's an 18-and-a-half point favorite at home. The total is 48-and-a-half. Um, I'm going to lean on the under, and I'm going to lay the points with Duke here. Um, I, I think Duke is pretty good. I think Northwestern might be awful. Yeah. Northwestern's terrible. Uh, definitely Lamb with Duke here. I think unders the play, just because I don't think Northwestern's going to score a lot, maybe at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure Duke's going to... I mean, Duke might get into the 30s, and then that'll be it. So, mm-hmm. like, 35-10? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, 30, 38 to 10, something like that. Um, Northwestern has been wholly unimpressive so far this year. Um, they got yeah. the win last year, last week against UTEP. They were an underdog at home to UTEP, if that tells you anything about yeah. where uh, Northwestern's at as a football program right now. U- UTEP's bad, by the way. I just want to make sure mm-hmm. everybody's aware. Like, they are not very good. So, yeah. Yeah. The Northwestern is going to be – well, I mean, Virginia exists, so I don't want to go out on a limb here. But Northwestern might be one of the worst teams in the Power Five. I, I think they're in contention for worst team in the Power Five. Um, yes, yeah, so along with two ACC schools. So. Yeah, go ACC to that. Yep. Uh, yeah, Lamb with Duke, and I think we're both on the under here. Lamb with Duke on the under. Picks Absolutely. for me. Final game at 3.30 on the Big Ten Network, noted gross. ACC channel. Gross. This game's Mike. so gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you just wait? Your Hokies on the road in Piscataway, <laughs> taking on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Virginia Tech, a seven-point road underdog. Gross is what you just, you know, the way that you would describe a game where the total is 39 and a half and uh, probably leaning towards the under there. I was going to say it's only gross if you're not confident in your pick. I just think the game in in total is gross, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I saw someone jokingly tweet out that this was the game of the week and I tweeted the what? Because (laughs) there's a lot of ways to describe this game, but game of the week is not one of them. That's Bethune Cookman in Miami. So, was was game of the week preceded by like sickos committee or anything like it that? Was, it was not, but it should have been. So that's <laughs> only reserved for games like Bethune Cookman in Miami. Totals 39 and a half here. Uh, Scott, I'm going to need some sound here. Under 39 and a half. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Please. This is Joey. This is the easiest pick of the week outside of Florida State. Can I explain to you why? Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. I, I, I feel like you're leaning under. I think I know where you're going with it, and and I think we're in agreement, but keep going. Oh, okay, let me explain here. Uh, Virginia Tech's starting quarterback is Grant Wells. He's really banged up, okay? And Good he start is, for an under. 
as far as we know, he is the best option that Virginia Tech has at the position. So that's not a great start. Virginia Tech's top receiver, Allie Jennings, is not going to be playing in this game because his ankle is really hurt. He might be out for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Lane, Virginia Tech's number two receiver, uh, the really electric, fast slot guy who's been making plays in the first few games. He's got a hamstring injury. He, I think, is probably going to play, but he's a little bit nicked up. So we start there. Virginia Tech's offensive line, really, really bad. Hokies averaged half a yard per carry last week. Is that Rutgers, good? Uh, it's awful, Joey. <laughs> awful. Half yard Eight, per carry. 18 inches per carry. Eight. I'm going to leave that there, okay? Let's leave that right there. <laughs> leave that right there. Uh, I've made a lot of inappropriate jokes on this podcast, but that one I'm definitely going to leave alone. I... What's longer, uh, the rushing yards per carry or – no. The, uh, where else was I going here? Oh, Rutgers has given up uh, 40 yards per game on the ground through two games. Yes, I understand who their opponents have been. Uh, one of them is Temple, right? The other one is Northwestern. That I Northwestern get it. we just mentioned, yep. I get it. They, they've played two totally – inept offenses they're facing a third on saturday in virginia tech okay so the likelihood virginia tech runs the ball well against rutgers is probably low mm -hmm. if virginia tech were to get 40 yards which is by the way the average like i mentioned the rutgers is giving up per game that would be four times the total they put up on saturday against purdue virginia tech ran for 11 yards against purdue i expect it to be a little bit better than that but it's not going to be great forcing whoever the quarterback is to throw the ball in this game not ideal also uh, Rutgers, offensively, Rutgers loves to run the football, Joey. It's the only mm -hmm. thing they're good at, in fact, is running the football. Virginia Tech uh, looked uh, a little inept trying to stop the run against Old Dominion. They looked better last week against Purdue, especially in the second half. Uh, but this is a game where Rutgers is going to try to run the ball a ton. Gavin Wimsat, Rutgers quarterback, not very good. I wouldn't expect a ton of points here, a ton of points, a ton of yards through the air. This is going to be a really quick game. This game's going to be done in two, two and a half hours, probably, weather mm -hmm. uh, weather permitting. So I like the under. I like Virginia Tech to cover, but Rutgers to win is where I'm at. This is going to be a disgusting game. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the grossest games of the year, potentially, in the Power Five. I think this is going to be like... <sighs> 16, I got to make this a cover. 16, 16 to 8. 16 to 16 to 8. Yes, that, that's a baseball that's score. Cover, I was gonna, right. Let's go. Yeah, let's go with uh, God, 16 to 9 is not even a cover. That's a push. 15 to 9. 15 to 9. <laughs> Thank you. 15 to 9. Rutgers wins. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I, I I think this is a hold your nose and take the Hokies situation. I Virginia Tech not in a great place going on the road and they're only a touchdown underdog, underdog is like a little bit of a stinky line. But I think what you're talking about is, you know, two offenses that are going to try to run the ball against two defenses that are good at stopping the run and two offenses that are not really, they don't really have another option. Neither one is, is particularly adept at passing. Um, so I think both teams struggle to move the ball here. And I think it's a very low scoring game. I feel very good about the under here. Um, I, I want to lock it up, but I'm going to pass. I'm going to I'm going to leave it where it is, um, and, and let you stick with it. If um, if Grant Wells was healthy with a full complement of weapons, this is a game that I think Virginia Tech could win. Mm -hmm. 
but him him hurt and some receivers hurt and tech can't run the ball even if wells plays like he's going to be banged up not 100 percent and I haven't seen a lot to inspire a ton of confidence so far this year anyway out of Grant Wells. He was okay against Old Dominion. He was really good in the second quarter <laughs> against Purdue, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, this is a hold-your-nose game. Pray to God Virginia Tech scores a touchdown sort of thing. And if you're a Hokies fan, just hope Rutgers makes a couple mistakes instead of short fields. I think that's the path against a really... Uh, Rutgers is bad, so the fact that taking them to beat Virginia Tech here just tells you the state of the offense for the Hokies. Yeah, I'm, I'll am i say like 19 to 13 or something oh. like that. Again, kind of gross. Um, I, I will say a low-scoring game like this, this is where, uh, you know, either a kickoff return for a touchdown, uh, an interception return for a touchdown, like one, one play, one turnover can really be magnified in terms of yeah. how it impacts the game. So uh, there is always a chance of something like that happening, and, and especially if, if – the Hokies are able to pull that off. That's something that can really help you a to cover B to win the game outright. Um, so I just, I, I feel like the right thing to do here is hold my nose, take the points. And, uh, and I think it's an under low scoring rock fight of a game. Would not recommend watching it from an uh, aesthetic standpoint. I, I don't even want to watch it. And I'm a tech alum and real quick, I have my Hokie hangover podcast. I do with uh, Ricky LeBlue, Andrew, Alex. I just wanted to bring that up for a second because Ricky brought up a point on the preview that'll be released on Thursday. He brought up a point in the preview saying if Virginia tech, his prediction was if Virginia tech has like a defensive score or a special team score, they're going to win the game. That was his mm-hmm. kind of bold prediction. I think it's just a really good point that, you know, he brought up last night. You just alluded to again. I don't know how bold that is, but yeah, I, I agree with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not bold, but correct. Yeah. I think it's correct. It's needed. I, agreed. Agreed. Uh, Mike, let's move to the night slate. Previews in the night slate brought to you by section 103.com. The internet's premier place for all things. Wonderful Georgia tech apparel. Uh, they've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Things in the official tech gold, all the official word marks, the ATL logo. Um, they've got some performance wear. They've got buttons and stickers and, and all sorts of good things. They've got a clearance section. They've got jerseys, all sorts of good stuff showing that you support Georgia Tech. Go find it at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Uh, I love mine. I'm wearing the performance wear right now because it continues to be hotter than I care to discuss in, in Houston. Um, so it helps me keep me cool, helps keep me representing my team. Uh, so go check them out. They've got some good stuff for basketball season. If you're trying to get ready for that, uh, they've got some baseball season stuff, still some volleyball season, volleyball is in season. So go check it out there. Uh, once again, section 103.com for all things, wonderful Georgia tech apparel. Cannot recommend it enough. I love mine. You love yours. Uh, once again, promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Mike, leading off the 730 uh, window, uh, you'll be shocked to find out, is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. They're on the road in Oxford taking on the number 17 Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, the Land Sharks, or the 
the Bears or whatever, you know, whatever we're calling Ole Miss these days. Uh, Ole Miss is an 18-point favorite at home. The total is 63. Uh, this is this is a bad spot for Georgia Tech, uh, just frankly. Uh, they, these yes. two teams played last year in Atlanta. Ole Miss won this game 42 to nothing. This is the game that should have gotten Jeff Collins fired, might have if not for some, like, logistical stuff, such as the school president being, like, in Europe um, when that game was played. Uh, but this was a this was a bad situation last year. It's it's I think it's a bad situation this year, but for different reasons. I think the big thing that we have seen through two weeks from Georgia Tech that is my main takeaway for this team is this defense has a horrendous time tackling in space, especially on the perimeter. Yeah. You get one on one matchups; they do not get guys on the ground very reliably. Yeah, if you can't do that against Ole Miss here, Lane Kiffin is going to go to town. And, and they are going to score a whole bunch of points. And I don't know if Georgia Tech can keep up. So Call him Santa Claus, baby. He's going mm-hmm. to town. He's, he's coming to town. That's right. Um, bad matchup for Georgia Tech, I think, in this spot. There's a reason Ole Miss, I think, is favored by 18 at home. I've mentioned it before. This is a look-ahead spot for Ole Miss because they have the Tide coming in next week, or they are going to the Tide next week, taking on Alabama. Um, so you never know what can kind of come of that. Um, it's not ideal, uh, but I'll, I think I'm laying them with Ole Miss here. I I think this is a a bit of a blowout situation. I, we, I will say this too. We have seen games last year under Brent key where they came out in a situation where they were outmanned, uh, but they had a really good game plan and were able to keep Georgia tech in the game, keep it close. Like they had a lead on Georgia 25 minutes into that game. Um, Yeah you know, coming out with a kind of a, a bizarre game plan that had them off guard and struggling to adjust. Um, so it's not anything out of the question. I just I just think over four quarters, with what I've seen from this team so far, they are not they are not equipped to hang with Ole Miss here. Uh, total is 63. I kind of like the over, by the way, here. Um, I, I think Ole Miss is going to score a whole lot of points, and I think Georgia Tech is going to get some of theirs at least. I think this is like 45-17. Something like that, yeah. but I think I think Ole Miss wins going away. I think if you get this at eighteen, I think you take Ole Miss. I think if you get it around three touchdowns, you take Georgia Tech. I do not anticipate this game being very competitive. I could see Georgia Tech keeping it within three scores. Eighteen's a juicy line, though. Eighteen's a juicy line. I like Ole Miss too. I think it at the eighteen point line. Uh, this is a situation here for Ole Miss where Jackson Dart's been much better than anticipated. Um, you know, through the first two games of the year, he has six touchdowns to one interception. Uh, that offense has been putting up some points. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were anticipating Ole Miss's offense to take a little bit of a step back this year. They haven't really yet. Um, and I'm not sure they're going to in this game either. You mentioned that Georgia Tech's having a lot of trouble tackling right now. Point well taken. I think that with the athletes we've seen out of Ole Miss through the first two weeks, I think this is another situation where it's just a really bad matchup for Georgia Tech. So agree with everything you said. I like Ole Miss here. I am leaning over as well. I'll make the over a pick here. Why not? I'll join you. So I'm going to land with Ole Miss, take the over. We're in agreement in a lot of these games tonight, and that can only mean that a lot of these are going to go poorly for us. But What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I want to make that known. I'll call this out too. You, You might say, well, you know, Tulane held Ole Miss to 17 points through three quarters last week. 
you know, we really don't think that Georgia Tech can. I think Tulane probably has better defense than Georgia Tech does. So, no, I don't think that that means good things necessarily. Um, I think if you're Georgia Tech, honestly, I would lean towards the game plan here being play keep away, run the clock, like try to keep Ole Miss's offense off the field. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I, I think that's the, the approach I would take, which would not be an over game. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. And, or even if they do, I'm not totally sure if that's going to work. So I, I just, yeah. I think this thing gets kind of higher scoring. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you play keep away, trying to get blown out. And this is just a really explosive offense Georgia Tech's playing. And the defense, I think, was, at least in my mind, supposed to be a bit better than it's been so far. I think mm-hmm. the ceiling is still decently high for this Georgia Tech defense if they learn how to tackle. But, you know, if they don't figure it out this week, man, could get ugly. Yeah, couple couple of injuries so far in spots where they did not have a lot of depth. Um, Sylvain Yonjuin, his season's over. Um, his backup, Eddie Kelly, was banged up in the South Carolina State game. I yeah. don't know if he's playing or not. Not a great yeah. sign. Not nope. what you need. Um, say hi to Jared Ivey and Zamari Walton and Jemias Griffin and uh, was it Kilo Stone or someone else? There's four former Georgia Tech players in this roster. So uh, say hi to all of them if you're going to this game. Could get ugly. I'm ready to get these guys off the out-of-conference schedule. Uh, this game's on the SEC Network, by the way. Noted ACC channel, um, if if you were unaware, if I didn't mention it before. A smorgasbord this week, so to speak, of television channels. Big Ten Network, SEC Network, the CW. Speaking of which, also at 7.30 on NBC, Noted ACC oh, channel. There we go. Let's keep it rolling, baby. Let's keep it rolling. The Syracuse Orange on the road in West Lafayette taking on the Purdue Boilermakers. Syracuse, a two and a half point favorite on the road. Total is 57 and a half. You mentioned you had a take here before we hit record. So I'm going to let you get that take off. What does it tell us, Mike, that uh, Syracuse has, has come off of two blowout wins? They have looked outstanding. They have been like three score favorites in both of those games. And now in this game against a Purdue team that's kind of rebuilding, they are less than a field goal favorite. Granted, on the road, but I just. I feel like there's an air here of Vegas sees those scores that they've put up against Colgate and Western Michigan. And they say, you know, that's nice. Show me again, because they, you know, how much does that translate to the rest of their schedule? I think that there's uh, some skepticism there. That's because Colgate and Western Michigan suck. Tell me how you really feel. I, well, you know, you got to get that out of the way first, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Purdue, Purdue has played Fresno State and Virginia Tech, not world beaters, but they're better than Colgate and Western Michigan, for the love of God. Purdue's mm-hmm. been at least semi-tested so far. Syracuse, we know nothing about Syracuse yet, by the mm-hmm. way. Absolutely nothing. That's why this line's two and a half. So I think your take there is correct once again, because we're agreeing on literally everything tonight. I came away from the Purdue game because I just watched my alma mater play Purdue last weekend. I came away from the Purdue game impressed at times by Purdue's offense. You know, I thought Hudson Card played well at times. Mockby, the running back, played well at times. I think they were pretty inconsistent on both sides of the ball. Uh, The offense couldn't convert uh, on third down, especially in the second half, I think the way that they wanted to. Purdue is just a very incomplete product, which you'd expect. It's year one under Ryan Walters. They're an incomplete product. Defensively, they're certainly an incomplete product. I don't think they're 
really all that spectacular defensively. Syracuse's offense has put up a bunch of points so far. Uh, first full year for Jason Beck as the offensive coordinator. Gary Schrader's been pretty good so far. They're putting up some points. Uh, Purdue's defense can be had, right? I think Syracuse is going to run the ball a lot better than Virginia Tech did, which is why I'm a little bit concerned about Purdue in this spot, even though they're at home. You know, Virginia Tech really couldn't run the ball on Purdue at all last week. And I feel like if the Hokies were able to do that, I think Purdue had some holes in the secondary that Virginia Tech could have better exploited because Tech did have some success in the passing game at points during the game. I think Syracuse is going to run the ball better here than Virginia Tech did against Purdue. And I think Garrett Schrader has been very good through the year so far. I think that probably continues if Syracuse is able to establish a run. I like Purdue. I like laying them with, with the road favorite. I hate doing that, but this line is a little odd, right? And I do feel like this is a show-me game, right, from Vegas. I think that's the, the appropriate take, Joey. That That's that's correct, a 1,000%. And I think Syracuse is going to prove Vegas right here as a short favorite on the road. I like this matchup for the Orange. SP Plus has Syracuse 11 points better than Purdue right now on a neutral field. God. Throw that out there. I will also throw out there that they have beaten Colgate, which is an FCS team and not one that we think particularly highly of, and Western Michigan, which is currently a bottom 15 team in the country by SP+. Colgate's much better known for toothpaste than a football program. <laughs> Touche. Um, I, again, don't know a lot of what to think. And, and I think that, and, and ultimately what I was going to say, I think this is a game where we learn a lot about Syracuse. Um, I think this is a really good... Uh, if I call it a bellwether game, is that is that the right term there? I'm not sure. Um, this is a good bar to measure Syracuse against, put it that way. It's a good bar for both teams. Like sure. Purdue in year one, trying to figure out who they are, and Syracuse has looked competent against terrible competition. So mm-hmm. Syracuse on their side just got to prove they can do it against a team that at least has some power five athletes on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll lay him with Syracuse here. I'm going to trust the Orange on the road. Uh, Again, short favorite. I think that they can go out and get it done. I I think as we saw, you know, Purdue has some upside, but they're they're definitely flawed. Uh, I I think early in the season, we still buy in on Syracuse. You know, they're healthy. Um, They've been rolling so far. Who knows what happens if they get punched in the mouth here and they're down 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter? You know, can they come back? We haven't seen them with a deficit yet this year. So, again, a lot of unknown about Syracuse. I'm going to trust them for now. Uh, I just lay a couple points here on the road. Uh, so I say Syracuse wins by at least three. Total 57 and a half. Pass on that. I have, I don't know. I have no clue. Uh, I'm passing on the total. Maybe lean under. Yeah. But I'm probably passing on that. Um, I know we're not a Big Ten podcast yet. So I just want to kind of reserve the takes until we're actually a Big Ten podcast at some point. But this is a really hopeful tone there, Mister. What a what a well. I mean, it's it's better to be a Big Ten podcast, right, as a Virginia Tech alum, than being like a Sun Belt podcast. So you know, maybe we'll be a Big Ten school at some point. (laughs) What a non-con for Purdue. You go Fresno, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse Mm -hmm. to start the year for year one for Ryan Walters. Look, not like. It's not like playing, I don't know, Joey, like Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, which is what Georgia Tech likes to do sometimes. But it's not easy, right? Yeah. Not easy. 
I mean, multiple power five opponents in the out of conference, like you don't have to do that, but they sure signed up for it. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to play Ole Miss in week three. You know, you do not. You don't have you to do, do this not. stuff to yourself. But sometimes they do it anyways. So that's right. Enjoy uh, Syracuse laying them. Passing Lanham. total. Yep. Uh, also at 730 on ABC, Mike, it is the backyard brawl. Uh, our Pitt Panthers on the road in Morgantown taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, Pitt's a one-point underdog here. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Total is 47. Uh, Pitt won this game last year. It was a, a competitive back-and-forth game uh, that was – we thought Pitt was going to be able to win it, I think, a little bit easier than they did. Uh, they had to have a, a bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter to actually take the lead and, and put the game away. Um, but this is – I I feel like I've, I felt better about Pittsburgh coming into the year than West Virginia, but like West Virginia has actually acquitted themselves fairly well so far against, you know, Penn state kind of keeping that game closed for a while. Uh, Pittsburgh as, as you know, pretty well documented here last week, just absolutely crapped the bed against Cincinnati. So I, in a way I see why they're the underdog here, but I do wonder if there's a little bit of an overreaction going on there. I don't know. Are we like totally out on Pittsburgh with the way they looked against Cincinnati or are we just maybe consider that a blip and we come back, try it again and see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one game, right? It's one game certainly. So uh, don't want to measure your entire season on, you know, one game of crapping the bed, but I think that's a game that certainly a lot of Pittsburgh fans expected to win Pittsburgh's defense, especially against the run looked totally uninspired. And I think if Pittsburgh's run defense doesn't show up again this week, West Virginia's got a pretty good running back, C.J. Donaldson, that I think could get his, right? So mm -hmm. that concerns me if I'm a Pittsburgh fan going on the road to Morgantown, realizing that I'm not sure if my team can actually stop the run, and that's something that West Virginia likes to do and does pretty well at times. You, you mentioned West Virginia quitting themselves quite well to the season so far. They went to Happy Valley vastly, vastly outgunned and kept that Three game pretty good. Underdog? And kept it pretty competitive, right? Mm -hmm. it, Penn State had to literally, they covered by the skin of their teeth with the backups in the fourth quarter with like a minute to go. Really, Front really, cover. really, it's so gross. Mm -hmm. Like so gross in the in the first weekend of the year. Like they scored a touchdown with six seconds left. It, the bet still cashes, but so gross. Mm -hmm. uh, I was actually pretty impressed by West Virginia in that game, the way they hung around. And Penn State pulled away late third, early fourth. Uh, but West Virginia acquitted themselves well. This is a game against Pittsburgh here where I think if Pitt decides they don't want to start stop the run again, I think West Virginia is going to win this game. Because mm -hmm. West Virginia's defense has looked a bit feisty this year so far. Uh, played Penn State. That's the only game that matters so far. Uh, West Virginia had a throwaway game last week that they won. I can't remember who they played. It was a throwaway game last week. Nice, easy win for them. Duquesne? Yeah, Duquesne. Thank you. Duquesne. Duquesne? Uh, they won by... Yeah, we'll start calling him Duquesne. Uh, one by a ton. And so the re really the only game that matters in terms of sample size is that Penn State game. And I thought West Virginia's defense looked pretty good. If West Virginia's defense plays a similar type game against Pittsburgh, I am not sure I'm too confident in Phil Dracovic and that offense over four quarters. He was 10 of 33 last week. He was not very good. The Pitt's running game has not been fantastic so far. And now the defense might suck against the run. I like West Virginia here. I think if you wait to bet it, you could get this at plus money on the money line because this is basically a pick em. So just consider when you bet this game. 
I like West Virginia just based off of what I've seen through two games from both teams. I just, I think that this is a tough matchup for Pitt if they decide not to stop the run again. It's funny to me looking at the uh, the schedule of games for this weekend. And when you look at this on ESPN and they have, you know, the, the matchup and then the time and the TV, and then they have a column for tickets. And you can see the ticket, like the get-in value or t- the get-in price for each of these games. And you can see, like, Virginia-Maryland, tickets as low as $7. Florida State-Boston College, $21. Virginia Tech-Rutgers, $27. Georgia Tech-Ole Miss, $23. Pitt-West Virginia, $155 is the get-in yeah. price for this game. Morgantown is going to be friggin' rocking for this That'd game. And, and deservedly so. I mean, it's, it's the backyard brawl. Like, you get up for that game. Yeah. Um, give me Pittsburgh outright. Hmm. Nice. Um, we disagree. I, I'm and I'm only saying that because I'm I just feel like we might be overreacting to what happened last week. And I and I feel like some of what happened last week was and let me I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna explain my thinking. I think that there was a really good coaching job done by Scott Satterfield. Jesus Christ. Now I don't think that we've ever made a ton of bones about Scott Satterfield being a pretty decent game day coach, play caller, like schemer, that kind of thing. He had all sorts of problems running a problem, running a program at Louisville, all that. But he could still call plays and you know get a pretty good amount out of whatever roster he had to work with on a given Saturday. So with that being said, I mean, I, I think that there was a good coaching job there. I think that Scott Satterfield is a more capable schemer and coach than Neil Brown and whatever band of merry men he has going on at West Virginia right now. Band of merry men. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, I'm looking for the SP plus. I mean, SP plus has Pitt as a six point, almost seven point favorite on a neutral field. I mean, the home field advantage in Morgantown is is good, but it's not that good. Like it, it's not eight. You know, eight points good. So might be for it. Might be for the backyard brawl. It could be. It it could be. Um, I am I am very nervous about this pick. This I feel like I could end up with plenty of egg on my my face, and we could yeah. be headed for a really bad pit season if if that ends up being the case. Yeah, I am going to stick with Pitt. I think they win this game on the field. Uh, I'm going to take the under as well. I, I think this is a bit of a rock fight kind of situation. I don't think either of these teams wants to be throwing the ball very much. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a good thing for either of them to try to do so. So right. I, I think this is a, a run heavy game. I think Pitt breaks through and wins this in a low scoring game. Something like, uh, well, yeah, 20 to 17, maybe something like that. Yeah. I'm going West Virginia and I'm also going under. Under is a good pick. Makes sense. Last one, Mike, eight o'clock on the ACC network. The, uh, the Clemson Tigers at home taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls. Uh, Clemson, a 24 and a half point favorite in a game where the total is 51 and a half. I, I feel like there's two ways of looking at this, Mike. Either you are looking at this and you're saying, like, Clemson has looked like fools, you know, basically for two weeks. And they, I mean, they blew out Charleston Southern last week, but that's eventually, only half. eventually, yeah. They were like, it was like a touchdown game at halftime. I mean, they, they, Absolutely screwed around. They got blown out by Duke because they screwed around. Um, do they screw around again this week? Or do you say they've been embarrassed enough, they've heard enough talk about how bad they are or how good they're not, and they uh, they go out here and take care of business this week? I don't think Clemson's going to blow anybody out this year. Like, for four quarters. 
I was definitely thinking about asking what's the first half line here because yeah, yeah, I'm kind of interested in Florida Atlantic plus whatever number of points in the first half. Right, and then maybe Clemson to cover total like game mm-hmm. spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's how I would bet that too. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think Clemson is going to put together. A, it sounds absolutely ridiculous for me to say that, but I just don't think Clemson is going to get into like a game where they're a multi-score favorite and then put together a complete four-quarter performance. Like, what what makes me believe that based off of what I've seen so far? First half line is uh, thirteen and a half. <sighs> that's a good. That's a good line. Unfortunately, that's a good line, Joey. I might take those points with Florida Ooh, Atlantic. Not not man. for our not for our picks. I'm just saying. I don't know, dude. I don't know if, if this was like if it, if this was like sixteen or seventeen, you know, maybe maybe you know who the head coach scores. You know who the head coach at Florida Atlantic is, right? Who's the head coach of Florida Atlantic, Joey? That would be one Thomas Herman uh, of Houston and Texas head coaching history. And by the He's way, come when, a long way when he was at Houston, especially that man will get his team up for a game where they are underdogs. And then he, he has a very good track record as a head coach in the game as an underdog. He does. So I'm, you know, again, it doesn't really count for our picks here, but I would, it, I would be considering Florida Atlantic plus 13 and a half in the first half. Yeah. I, I think there is a chance they could hang around for a while. Yeah. In this game. Yeah. I, the only thing I'll say is that these are probably the, this is probably the worst team Tom Herman's like ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, so, that is quite possible. I, I just wanna I just wanna qualify. I, I agree with everything you said, but also like it's the, the roster he has is not not great. Yeah, they're on a one game losing streak after losing to Ohio last week at home. Um so that's not not the best situation necessarily. These aren't, yeah, those aren't your grandfather's bobcats either, <laughs> by the way. Or your uh, grandfather's owls either, apparently. Um, yeah. That's it's right. been a while since Lane Kiffin was there. Yep. Uh, they're yeah, still they're still pardoning themselves for like the Willie Taggart the sins of Willie Taggart there I don't know oh, gosh digging deep for those um, which is funny because I think those owls of Florida Atlantic are actually like technically burrowing owls so digging deep is a little bit of a pun oh uh, Clemson uh, I guess I'll lay them I'm laying them I'm laying them I, I hate it I laying them I'm laying them and I hate it I think Clemson in the over. 51 and a half is not a ton of points where Clemson could score uh, into the forties. Probably is Clemson getting to 40 in this game. 42, 13. I guess that gets us there. It gets us home. Yeah. Yeah. Clemson. And uh, I'll, I'll pass on the, the total for our picks purposes, but gun to my head, I guess I would take an over. This is one of those uh, Chip Patterson. Wouldn't it be hilarious, though? <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious? Wouldn't if, it be hilarious? Principle. If Florida Atlantic pulled this off, <laughs> it would be. It would be. Um, Mike, that about wraps it up for us this weekend, with one exception. Um, speaking of, wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> Oh, God. I forgot about this game this weekend. Do you know who Bowling Green is playing this weekend? And do you know what the spread is? I totally forgot about this game, and I'm pulling up the spread right now. (laughs) Joey, wouldn't it be hilarious? Bowling Green is a – and I'm looking on 
ESPN. Bowling Green is a 40 and a half point underdog to the Michigan Wolverines. In the big house. <laughs> Scott Leffler and the Bowling Green Falcons catching 40 and a hook in the big house. Outstanding. Outstanding Bowling Green. Um, Wouldn't it be hilarious if they covered? <laughs> if they covered? I, I think I'm going to take Bowling Green to cover. And it, it has very little to do with Bowling Green and everything to do with Michigan. Just they don't seem no, you're like not. they don't no, seem like they no. want to put up margins on people. Look at their first two games. They played East Carolina and UNLV. They haven't, they scored thirty. They beat East Carolina thirty to three. They beat UNLV thirty five to seven. They could have won those games by three more touchdowns if they wanted to, but they don't want to. I think they're having mercy on people, having mercy on other teams. So give me Bowling Green in the forty and a half. In the big house, I think it's, you know, yeah, 40, uh, let's see, 45. Yeah, then you got to talk yourself into it. Is that, no, it doesn't get us there. Um, f- yeah, 40, 42 to 7. 42 to 7. Sure. I will lay them gladly with the Wolverines, <laughs> 45 to 3. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This doesn't count for our actual picks, by the way. God, no, but. Just, <laughs> this is this is pure entertainment. Give me give me the Falcons. God, no. 40 and a half. Uh where's my down? There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Mike, that's all I've got on week three. Should we recap our locks real quick? Let's do it. Uh we both have Florida State minus the 26 against Boston College on the road in the red bandana game. Uh we you have under 39 and a half in the Virginia Tech and Rutgers game. With some confidence, by the way. With some confidence. Um, do I do I need to pick another another lock here? You're you drive the ship one. here. You drive the ship here, Joey. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I only have one. I feel obligated to pick another one of these. But but, but must I say I've given out two locks and a award already tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, uh, you, you were obligated to give out the second lock after giving out that award. Yes, um, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, oh, man, what do I want here? Um, give me a lock on Duke minus the 18 and a half against Northwestern. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. It's a good pick. By the way, one more pick that I will mention that I, I forgot to mention around the first time. We both have Florida State locked up minus the 26 against Boston College. We do. Um, once again, does not count as a lock, doesn't count for our picks, but I will likely have American currency on the Boston College team total under in that game. Um, I, I think doing some math here, I think that the team total is going to be somewhere into double digits. And I I don't I don't think they're getting there. Um I, I think last time I did the math it was around 13, 14 points. I, I certainly if it's if it's two touchdowns, I would take the under. I don't think Boston College gets in the end zone twice in this game. Gross. <laughs> in, the, in the red bandana. So game. I mean just so gross. I just I feel so bad. I'm sorry, uh, Boston College. I don't. <laughs> I, this is 
Who feels worse about this, you or James Coleman? <laughs> I did not make. I did not make the joke James Coleman made. <laughs> for the record, I made. I made the who cares. I shot the who cares line out just a smidge too early. I did not say what James Coleman said on this podcast, which we all laughed at, by the way. It's worth. Uh, it's it's probably in the final. 15-ish minutes of our Florida State preview that we did Go with find Coleman. It. Yeah, Go I, find I it. will not repeat it. I cannot do it justice. You'll um, know exactly were, what we're referring to if you go find There was a line it. about this game that uh, was priceless and is something that neither of us could have ever actually said ourselves. So yes. go, uh, go find it there if you want yep. to. That's right. All right. Uh, for, Florida everyone, State. for everyone, it's at exactly 34 minutes in that podcast. There you go. Thank you, Producer Scott. Thank you. Uh, all right, Florida State minus 26 for the both of us. I've got Duke minus the 18 and a half. You've got Virginia Tech Rutgers under 39 and a half locked up for this week. Uh, Mike, that's all I've got. You ready to work on getting out of here? I am. Let's do it. We said this is going to be a really quick one tonight, so naturally it went an hour and 15 minutes plus. Uh, so let's wrap it up. Uh, we are on Twitter at the places you know we can be found at FDRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel SI, at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, we're on YouTube. Please go hit the subscribe button. We really, really would appreciate that. As producer Scott mentioned, we're trying to get to 250 this season. Uh, that's that's helping working towards getting us monetized. So if you guys can help us out, we would really, really appreciate with uh, any help you can give us with that. Uh, YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. All the good places you find your podcast. You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns. To so the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Where else in the social medias, Mike? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. All of them, Joey. You can find them. Everyone. Uh, we're on YouTube, like we've mentioned. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. We're on Instagram at BC podcast ACC as well. Do it. Do it for the gram. Do it for the YouTube. Do it for the monetizing. Yep. Uh, we appreciate your all's help. You guys have been a great audience. So thank thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for sharing us with your friends. We've been building the community here. Drop comments in the YouTube comments. Uh, if you've got questions, you know, if you've got uh, feedback, you think we said something really dumb. Uh, if you really agree with what we said, hit us up. I can uh, guarantee we, you we've said some stuff that's been dumb. So In the last four minutes, probably, honestly. It yeah. doesn't take long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, that's all I have. Anything else before we uh, hop off of here? Go watch some games. Yeah, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to walk across the room. I'm going to go about 12 yards to do so, and that's more than Virginia Tech rushed for last week. So hopefully <laughs> they can do a little bit better, just a smidge better against Rutgers. Try to get more than 18 inches per carry. That's right. That's, yep. Same. <laughs> Same. Saturday Night Live. Let's say Saturday Night Fever. We're still on Saturday Night Fever. We're on, baby. Are We're you on. Are you going to be here or Pittsburgh? I'm, or... I'm home. I'm I never want to fly again. I will be home. <laughs> You've had enough. I've had enough for a while. I'm good. Yeah, we will. Uh, we're gonna have to skip Saturday Night Fever in a couple of weeks. I'll be out of town and, and out of pocket on a Saturday night. But uh, for this week, Saturday Night Fever returns. So after the games are over, uh, as as the games are ending, uh, come find us on YouTube or uh, Twitter, Facebook. I don't think we're on LinkedIn yet, but apparently that's where we can also be if we wanted to be. Um, so. Find us on, you know, probably just YouTube. YouTube's good. Uh, go find us there and uh, join us around 10, 10.30, something thereabouts, uh, 10.30 Eastern time. And uh, make sure you're subscribed. Hit the bell icon so that you know when we're going live. 
I'm sure my employer would be really excited to hear some of the things I say on this podcast. So let's definitely post our podcast to LinkedIn. Well, everyone knows we're just trying to be the full cast and uh, they, they now broadcast to LinkedIn. So that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> There's a standard out there that we need to hold ourselves to. That's right. That's right. Mike, let's watch some games, come back and do some Saturday Night Fever. How's that sound? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you Saturday night. And until then, go ACC.